and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 65 for the week ending Monday, July 11th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugu. Glad you could join me. We have a great show lined up for you today. A little later on, I'll be sharing a clip from a conversation I had with Gareth Cliff, the controversial South African radio DJ, idol South Africa judge, and co-founder and president of Africa's largest podcast platform, cliffcentral.com. Now, you might want to listen in to hear Gareth's candid take on why he quit one of South Africa's most lucrative radio gigs to found a platform that now boasts over 40 podcast titles and garners over 140,000 downloads per week. But that's all later. Coming up in this week's news, though... Kenyan lawmakers look to regulate ICT professionals through licensing. Safaricom's recently launched Little Cab service rolls out a female-only service. Facebook aims to connect billions to the internet via its open cellular system. And the Postal and Telecommunications Regulatory Authority of Zimbabwe threatens to arrest citizens who quote-unquote abuse social media. Now, do remember, if you've missed any of our past episodes, you can catch up anytime you like. Just click through to africantechroundup.com. Also, we love to hear from you, so do give us a shout on Twitter at African Roundup and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. And of course, our email address is hello at africantechroundup.com. The news is up next, but first, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. FreshBooks is offering listeners of the African Tech Roundup a 30-day free trial to put their service to the test. So go on and try it out for free at gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech. And now on to this week's news. First up, Kenya's ICT fraternity is up in arms over the country's proposed ICT Practitioners Bill, which seeks to regulate ICT professionals. Now, tweeting in response to mounting ridicule against the notion that the government could enforce guidelines for who gets to work in the field, uh, last week, Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for ICT, Mr. Joe Muchero, came out saying that the bill does not represent the policy position of the Kenyan government. Now, there have been questions about how the regulatory council that the government would appoint to license practitioners and police the industry would be constituted. Now, while I fully expect this faulty piece of draft legislation to quietly make its way to a scrap heap someplace. Uh, my question is, who exactly did draft the bill and then put it forward for enactment? And why would they do this without liaising with Mr. Machero's department? And I totally agree with some critics who pointed out that the ever-changing nature of ICT as an industry makes the notion of trying to regulate professionals in the field both impractical and counterproductive to grooming innovation from the grassroots level. Now, we'll be keeping an eye on this situation to see what lawmakers in Kenya uh, decide to do next about this bill. Now, staying with news out of Kenya, Safaricom's recently launched Little Cab service, uh, which some consider the only serious competition to Uber in Kenya, is now offering an exclusive cab service for women. They've reportedly signed up 40 female drivers to the service, uh, a service they're calling Ladybug. Now, Little Cab has partnered with Craft Silicon to launch the service, which is right on trend in terms of the global ride-hailing business. Services like Drive Her, Safe Her, She Rides, and Chariot come to mind. Now, I guess the idea is to address the safety needs of women who use ride-sharing services and to try and manage the risk of having female riders harassed or worse, assaulted by their cabbies, or indeed, you know, the other way around. 
women drivers being assaulted by their riders. Now, uh, tell us, women of Kenya, do you dig this new development? If you haven't used a ride-hailing service before, does this development make you more likely to download an app and get with it? Or if you're already an Uber regular or a regular with some other service, how likely is it for Ladybug's new women-only proposition to get you to switch to them? Do let us know on Twitter, at African Roundup. Moving along to how Facebook is continuing to emphatically shake off the social media platform label. Uh, they've announced that they'll be launching Open Cellular, a mobile infrastructure platform designed to lower barriers to entry for would-be providers of internet services to the developing world. Now, Open Cellular is designed to be a customizable device that will serve as a wireless access point that can then be used to connect devices using 2G, LTE, or even Wi-Fi. Now, Facebook has said that they've done their best to design Open Cellular to be rugged, weather-resistant, modular, and inexpensive as a solution. Uh, they're trying to make it easy to deploy on a pole, a tower, or even a tree. Now, the system's designed to cater for both open source and commercial cellular stacks. It's also designed to work as either a simple access point or a full network in a box uh, to take power from PoE, solar, DC, or even internal and external batteries. What Facebook is promising is that both the hardware design and the software running on open cellular will be made open source eventually, although they haven't said exactly when. Now, this is really nice. I really do wonder how blown back by this development Eric Hirschman and his team over at the Kenyan startup Brick are by this particular development. It is indeed direct competition. Will the fact that they were first to market mean anything? Will they be able to win over Facebook's insane scale and access to market? Well, we'll all have to wait and see. Now to some good news about South Africa and a few other countries on the continent, countries who have improved their standing on the WEF Global IT Report 2016 rankings. Now, South Africa certainly wins the award for most improved country this year. As the report says, the country has reversed its four-year downward trend, apparently thanks largely to increased uptake of ICTs, especially higher internet bandwidth, and improvements in innovation. They've gone up five places to number 38. South Africa also ranks 50th in terms of technological readiness and 41st in terms of the availability of latest technologies in the country. Now, it's also worth noting that Mauritius remains the region's most competitive economy. Uh, they come up at number 46, closely followed by South Africa at 49, Rwanda at 58. Cote d'Ivoire came in at a surprising 91 and Ethiopia at 109, certainly one of the region's largest improvers overall. Now for some unsettling news from Zimbabwe, where following a week of various violent protests and peaceful stayaways, the Postal and Telecommunications Regulatory Authority of Zimbabwe, Portraz, has uh, sent a written warning out threatening arrests for people who, quote, abuse social media. Now, this warning was sent in response to a popular call on various social media platforms inviting Zimbabweans to stay away from work last Wednesday. Now, the warning was mostly met with anger and derision on social media, despite access to social media platforms like WhatsApp and Facebook being mysteriously interrupted on various mobile networks for some hours on the day of the mass stayaway. Now, the trend towards the blocking of social media access in various African countries continues. It's certainly an issue we'll be keeping an eye on, and I certainly wish my homeland Zimbabwe all the best in these hard times. Finally, in the world of high-profile moving and shaking within Africa's tech scene, two major appointments were announced this past week. First up, 
uh, Naspers has nabbed former HBO and NBC Universal executive Akasha Basha, who is set to become the CFO at Showmax. And then there's what many regard a, a massive coup in the form of MTN Group landing Barclays, Africa's CEO of corporate investment banking, Stephen Van Collar, to head up strategy, mergers, and acquisitions for them. Now, they'll no doubt be looking to leverage his extensive experience in that area from his time at the likes of Deutsche Bank, APSA Capital, and of course at Barclays Africa. Two high-profile appointments in two of Africa's larger tech players. Interesting moves. We certainly wish both Stephen and Akasha all the best in their new roles. And that's the week's headlines, folks. As promised at the top of the show, I am now going to share a snippet from a conversation I had with Gareth Cliff. He's, of course, the controversial South African radio DJ, idol South Africa judge, and co-founder and president of Africa's largest podcast platform, cliffcentral.com. Now, here's Gareth's candid take on why he quit one of South Africa's most lucrative radio gigs to found a platform that now boasts over 40 podcast titles and garners over 140,000 downloads per week. Take a listen. Right, so I have this theory about the broadcasting industry in South Africa, which perhaps might hold uh, in other African markets as well. I'd say there are about 10 to 15 media personalities who have built excellent business models around their talent and influence in the traditional broadcasting industry. I, I think of people like DJ Fresh, Unatim Sengana, Robert Marawa, Rudy Tladi, maybe Tipo Touch, maybe John Robbie. You know, and I believe that for these people, the traditional broadcasting business, even though it's changing, uh, deliver such value that they don't really need to throw themselves into creating platforms that you know might compete with the big majors. You know, you'd make that list certainly top five for me. You know, while you were still at Five FM, you definitely still make that list. I, I suppose my question, given that theory, is why would you feel the need to leave that cushy position? Because I, I don't feel like you needed to, in order to sustain the brand or to to grow what you were doing. Or did you? Well. Let me start by saying I got out at exactly the right time at the SABC because at the moment I don't think you can, you can have integrity and work there. And that's quite a statement. You, you, I could not sit there and do a morning show knowing that my audience are as clever as I am or cleverer and ignore what's happening in Tswane. And yet you've got you know, radio DJs at the SABC tweeting things about sleeping patterns and the latest Nicki Minaj music video. I, it's just insulting. There's no way you could, you could I could, I'm not going to speak for everybody. There's no way I could do that in good conscience. As the state broadcaster, as the public broadcaster, there's a, there's a responsibility to at least treat your audience with the same respect that you'd want to be treated. You don't talk to them like children. And if I were working under Saudi Mutsuenang right now, I would, my head would be uh, exploding. There's no way I could do that. So first of all, I made the decision long before any of this had happened, and for my own reasons. I decided it was time to get out because sitting in a cushy job is for some people just not good enough. You're not going to change the world in a cushy job, even if you are influential, even if you have six million listeners. The way to change the world is to build something that other people can benefit from. And so, you know, I was discussing the fact that I'd be speaking to you with a friend of mine, to me. So he's sort of a brand architect type. And, and he reckons that from a branding perspective, a business perspective, your, your sort of ideals and beliefs, you know, your values aside. From a branding perspective, leaving the mainstream was the natural, you know, the natural next step for, you know, this bad boy, nonconformist media brand. Do you think he's right? Well, that, that, that's obviously how I'm perceived by people who listened to me for years. 
um, there are a few things, not a lot, but a few things that people don't know about me. I'm, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite into making a difference, actually. I'm, I'm not so much into just making a noise. And I, I felt that when we started this, there was an opportunity here for me to create an, a platform for other people who are talented and for other people who want to listen to different stuff that isn't out there already, that isn't patronizing and that sounds the same as everything else. There's plenty for, you know, if you're a pedestrian listener, there's the world of of, of mundane, average, dumb done and dusted radio for, for you to listen to. Uh, if you wanted something like Frankly Speaking with Rorisang Chabalala and Andrew Levy, you're not going to get that on radio because people can't talk that frankly here. I mean, on, on radio, they can here. Um, if you want to hear Casper de Vries or Trevor Gumby doing their thing uncensored with all the swear words and all the foul jokes and everything else that they could never do on radio, they'd be fired straight away. Then that's for you here. If you want to hear intelligent conversations with real experts, if you want to hear about science or sex or animals or business and you want to be treated as an equal by the presenter, then this is what you've got to listen to. That idea of someone else choosing what you should be listening to and making a traffic joke at a certain time or, you know, doing a prank call, that was already boring in 1989. How it can still be going now just shows you that maybe South Africa, the, the largest proportion of South Africa, black and white, is quite content to watch Leon Schuster until he's dead and we're in our 90s. And if that is all you want, then this is not for you. But if you want more, if you think that we deserve better, if you think you deserve better, then what we're building here is what you're going to get. And at inception, did you and the team at Cliff Central think of yourselves as being a startup in the traditional Silicon Valley sense? Uh, I mean, from what I can tell, the plan seems to have been, you know, the, the plan seems to be keep it lean, um, scale fast. Is that the sort of mindset that, that was driving you guys? Absolutely. Um, I knew this was going to be a tech business because I realized that the internet presented the, the, the greatest opportunity for us to do something where we were unregulated. We didn't need to apply for a license to do it. We're infinitely scalable because we can have a thousand podcasts being produced a day in every con uh, corner of Africa. I mean, I, I foresee us having offices in Nigeria and in Kenya and everywhere else um, and, and producing niched content for communities that if they're 500 people strong, those 500 people want that kind of content. You're not wasting a moment of their time and they're coming for for exactly what they want, and they're getting it. And so let's talk about the team that turned Gareth Cliff, you know, the brand, from a lip radio jock to, uh, from, a, from a lippy radio jock to the walking brand he is today, and then from that to essentially a, a businessman, really, a startup founder. Uh, many people in the industry consider one of the smartest moves you ever made, landing your, you know, landing your business partner, Rina, Rina Bloomberg. And um, how did you guys meet? And how, how did you go about surrounding yourself with the kind of people that would execute on an idea you had? Or was it just all you? <laughs> no, no, it's not all me. It's never, it's never ever just one person. And anyone who, who says it was all me is full of shit. Um, the whole story will be in the book that we'll release later this year. But I, I met Rina when she, had, uh, she was not in radio at all. Um, she had been a part of the, the beginning of 702, a very 
important part of that. She was managing director there for a long time. She, John Burke, Stan Katz, Izzy Kirsch were the people who brought to talk radio to South Africa. So she's got an unbelievable depth of experience. She's also very different to me, which is part of why it works. You know, what she's interested in, the kinds of things she's really good at are things that I'm not. And the kinds of things I'm really good at are things that she's not. So we make a good team. Um, when I met her, she was consulting to a big ad agency. And we clicked. I think she saw potential. That's what she said. I see some potential. That's also still to date the highest compliment she's ever paid me. I was going to say, isn't that a tad condescending? It, yes, and, and it's still the best compliment she's ever given me. So that tells you something about Rena. Um, she, she's really smart. She's, she's beyond smart. She's wise. Um, she's seen a lot come and go. And I think she has a good handle on people, which is an, an incredible skill to have. That combined with an eye on the future, which both of us have always had, and the fact that we're interested in making a difference in this country. And so what do you bring to the table as a team? Like, what do you bring to the table? What does Rena bring to the table operationally? Well, I think that we, we both have very different skill sets. I mean, you know, R Rena's had experience in, in managing people, um, which I haven't. Um, I'm, I'm not a team player, so this is new territory to me. Um, I, I'm the guy who, who knows how to make it sound and work right. And I also know a thing or two about the market, and I know a thing or two about tech. Um, I also am driven beyond belief to make this a success. Whereas, you know, Rena to some degree has already had her success in her life. She's built plenty of things already. So she's sort of helping me build mine. Um, it's a combination. It's a combination of factors. It's also a combination of, of other personalities here. We've got a great team of people, um, some very, very talented young people who are not only learning while they while they work, but teaching us things at the same time. And so what's the, the business model of Eclipse Central? How do you make money? We make money off advertising and sponsorship primarily. I mean, there are other ways for us to make income too, but those are, those are not as, as important. And essentially, we will create branded content for clients, which will be part of the story, which will be part of the podcast, which will be part of the content that we deliver to the audience. And it's going to be very straightforward, and it's going to be very upfront, and it's going to be very real. So the audience know what they're in for. But that gets them the content for free. So is this, um, is this a native play, or is it like literal ads that are like... No, it's native. It's totally native, and it's, it's, it's woven in. And it has to be authentic, which is our, our whole kind of brand promise, is that we're an authentic content creator, and we're an authentic branded content deliverer. Okay, so, you know, my question is, why follow the linear radio model? Why not completely, why don't go completely on demand? Well, we are. I, I don't know what you mean. D don't your shows record in real time? Don't, is, um, or is that really just the... F if you listen to the, 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 the stream, the live stream every day between 6 and 6, you will hear the shows being recorded. Oh, I see. So that's really just a... a a by the by. It's, it's like if you are a big fan of, you know, a Late Night with uh, Jimmy Fallon and you watch it on TV every night. But one year you get a ticket to New York and you go and watch it live in studio. That's how it is. In fact, it's pretty much, it's pretty much like um, what Chelsea's doing on Netflix. How, I mean, you can, you can tune in and watch it live happening or 
actually tune in for the live broadcast or you can watch it when you're ready. I mean, people, it is on demand. And this is what the beauty of podcasting is, is that you can listen whenever you want. You can pause it, go into the shops, you know. Uh, you can go to gym and listen to it while you're on the treadmill. You can switch it off when someone calls you. You can come back to it later. But it, you'll listen to the whole thing. Um, it is something you've chosen. It lives on your phone, which is the only device that you take everywhere you go. And it's intensely personal because you have, as the listener, chosen that content. If you tune into radio, you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes you'll stay because it's something you're interested in or mildly interested in. Sometimes you'll go because you don't give a shit about it. And so I know you t- learned a tough lesson about how difficult it is to produce a radio show for television because <laughs> you, you guys launched to Comedy Central at some point, I think. No, well, why didn't that work? Well, it, it didn't not work. It was an experiment. And from the beginning, it was meant to be an experiment. It was ah, like that, this, is the, this is where the startup philosophy or the startup mindset comes in. You know, we, we thought, let's go big and let's do this. Let's give people the opportunity to watch this on TV. Most people don't know how to stream on the internet. Really, in South Africa, it's still it's catching on. So let's give them options. Let's give them streaming on television. I mean, uh, viewing on television, streaming on the internet, WeChat, uh, a channel on DSTV. Let's go big. Let's cover all the bases, which was the plan, so that we could make a huge splash. And it did. I mean, th- there's... Well, it got our attention, to be sure. And there's so much brand awareness, even now, two years later. Everybody knows what Cliff Central is, even if they haven't listened. And so what, which platform, given the ones you've mentioned, are, like, where, where, what's the biggest one for you? Is it WeChat? Is it online? What, what's happening? It's always, it was always meant to be online. And that's why we launched the app a bit later. I mean, WeChat was, was a, a very good deal we did right in the beginning. It worked out for them, brought them a lot of users, brought us a lot of listeners. And it gave us an alternative. If our one stream went down, we were always working on WeChat. If WeChat went down, we were working on online. So we always had a backup, a redundancy. So our, our listeners would ne- never be left in the dark. But the Comedy Central thing was an experiment in doing television, which has rules and which has commercial breaks and which has BCCSA and ICASA rules and Unradio, which doesn't. And we only did it for a month. And I couldn't do it anymore. I said to them, "This is we've got to stop." Plus, it was costing Comedy Central half a million rand uh, just to send the signal to and from London and back, which is where their satellite. I mean, I don't know how these things work. It's ridiculous to me. Um, so we were we were doing it on a on the basis that nobody was really earning money out of it. It was an experiment. And so this unradio thing. This is you trying to coin a term the way um, Apple's p- uh, coined podcast. Well, yeah, it, it, I think it, it has become a term. I see people copying it everywhere. I see, I see all the traditional broadcasters suddenly getting into podcasting. Um, I wonder where they got that idea. And, I, I, you know, the funny thing is, like, if, you're a, if you cut out a piece of a radio show and you put it online, it's not radio anymore. It's a podcast. And we're, we're already the biggest podcaster in Africa. Right, so I mean, where'd you get the where'd you get the money to do this? Who who backed this idea? Is this all you? Like, did you? There's no investor, there's no um, angel, there's no secret, there's no treasure trove. It's Rena and I. We've paid for everything. We have not paid ourselves, um, and and we've made sure that we could afford the things that we have. And if we couldn't afford something, we just didn't do it. And so, what are the most important growth metrics you guys are tracking? I know you you said you guys are putting out is that a hundred thousand. So, uh, you've got like 100,000 downloads. Is that a week, a month? What is it? A week. One week. One week. And so uh, are you guys cash positive? Are you profitable? We are, um, only recently. Um, 
we've managed to to as i said contain costs but we've also we're watching very carefully the audience numbers we're watching the sales numbers we're building relationships with 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 key clients and uh, we're doing a lot of kind of trade exchanges and pro bono stuff where it strategically will help us I and mean, we've managed to get an unbelievable amount of advertising for this platform um, which really has got the word out and and it's growing nicely you know with data costs set to come down they're going to have to um, and with the internet being the go-to place for anyone who watches a TV series, anyone who listens to music. I don't know if anyone actually knows what the schedule of DSTV is or cares, because if you miss Game of Thrones, you've probably illegally downloaded it anyway. So you don't, DSTV doesn't enter the picture. You know, in theory, the big sell with online media is that advertisers can benefit from targeting their ad spend more accurately. Uh, and they're able to track the effectiveness of, of campaigns. But why do you think, despite this, online ad sales are such a hard sell to corporate marketers? Because of old white people in agencies, largely, uh, and because people are scared of the unknown. They would rather keep throwing money down the hole of traditional media, you know, paying hundreds of thousands of rands for television advertising instead of spending tens of thousands of rands online and getting a much more measurable return. Um, it's just fear, and it's people doing what they've always done, hoping things won't change, instead of realizing things are inevitably going to change and rather be ahead of the curve than behind. Hope you enjoyed that sneak peek into Gareth Cliff's media hustle over at cliffcentral.com. Hats off to the chap because he's certainly done a lot to break new ground for the new media industry on the continent. To find a link to the full conversation I had with him, and I have to say it's certainly worth a listen, find the link on my personal Twitter account at Masugu Andile. That's at M-A-S-U-K-U-A-N-D-I-L-E. Right now, once again, this episode of the African Tech Roundup was brought to you by FreshBooks. Uh, FreshBooks is offering listeners of the African Tech Roundup a 30-day free trial to put their service to the test. What are you waiting for? Go on, try it out for free at gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech. And that's it for this week. Catch the show again next week, Monday, on africantechroundup.com at 9 a.m. Central African time. Until then, this is Andile Masugu signing off. Take it easy, Africa.